We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. My name is Cam, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades, Thanos, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. the four-time champion, a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. And I'm in the lab with my No Limit soldier, co-host legend, Curtis. Curtis Cassius, a.k.a. Kurt Cashy, a.k.a. Curtie Two-Time, a.k.a. Danny's Big Homie, a.k.a. Mr. Take Your Best Player and Send You Into a Rebuild. You had to do it to him, didn't you, bro? I mean, he left me no choice. (laughs) 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 He voice. So welcome back to the the podcast, bro. I know you took a couple weeks off. You were taking a mini vacation with the lady, but I'm really happy to have you back because Danny, well, he's my guy. He doesn't compare to the duo, bro. It's just it's just a different type of vibe, a different type of energy when I got my duo, Kirk Cashy, on the show. I'm happy to have you back. Thanks, man. Hey, shout out to Denny, man. I thought your episode last week was uh, actually really good, man. And the one you did solo was good, too. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, the last week's episode was, was good. Denny did a great job. Um, so I, I really did like that podcast, minus the sound quality. So... We're going to bring a bit better sound quality for this episode, Uh, so let's get right into it. Today is a jam-packed episode full of content and probably one of the most exciting episodes we've had the opportunity to do so far. Uh, Bear with us on the time. We're going to try to stay under an hour and get through this podcast as quickly as possible, so let's dive right into it. We're going to start, as always, with some NFL news and notes. Man, let's start off on a high note. A KOD high note. Adrian Peterson has been released. It is Antonio Gibson season. Kurt, you look sad over there. You 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 turned down a couple trades involving Antonio Gibson before the path cleared for him to become a staple in this Washington offense and for him to have a direct path to be the RB1 on that depth chart. So what did you feel when you saw this news about Adrian Peterson being cut? Man, well, I'll tell you, I thought that if I accepted that trade offer that me and you had discussed before, that you would be the one looking sad today, bro. That was my <laughs> process there, man. But, yeah, I, I mean, I was just a little uh, hesitant to accept the trade, man, because I wasn't sure what his role is going to be. But this is like, I mean, for you, best-case scenario – and this is what you have to, I don't know. This is why you accept those type of trades, though, because this uh, it, this could be the outcome. That's what, that's what you look for when you're making a trade based on potential. You buy a player for the path. So you may not be able to see it, but if you see a player that's talented and you think that given the opportunity they can perform, you kind of have to see past the, the situation. We saw this with 
you know, Kareem Hunt being drafted behind Spencer Ware, who was a really productive running back in Kansas City. And we saw with Alvin Kamara, most comparable to the situation with him being behind Adrian Peterson, the aforementioned, and Mark Ingram. And Kareem just rises to the top. So from the start, you had Darius Geis, who was supposed to be the RB1. Then you also had Adrian Peterson still in the mix. And you had Bryce Love and you had Peyton Barber. And then, bro, it, it just always happens. When you have a talented player, none of that shit really matters, bro. It just doesn't. The best player is going to get the opportunity. And this is a quote directly from Adrian Peterson. Quote, this system really fits him. Talking about Antonio Gibson. I feel like I can do that pony style too, more as a receiving back, which is not true, Adrian Peterson, but I love you to death. (laughs) He goes on to say, we were all working on it, but they really want one main guy to do it, and they drafted Gibson for it. <laughs> Boy, the Antonio Gibson hype train has left the station. Kurt, this is a direct quote from the running back who they cut for Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson made Adrian Peterson expendable, and this nigga is telling us that they want him to be the guy. Kurt, I gotta do. I I gotta do. I'm shouting, bro. You see me, bro? You see my dance, bro? Did you peep it, bro? <laughs> I just had to shout, bro. I just had I'm doing a preseason victory lap for KOD, bro. I've done it, Kurt. I've done it again. We've seen this with James Conner. We've seen this with Kareem Hunt. Kurt, how am I so good at this, bro? How? Listen, bro. You already got all the running backs. I can't also stroke your ego, too, bro. All right? Like, uh, (laughs) it's just. But what I can tell you is I got two firsts for him right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, let's 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 get back on track for the show. I just had to do my little victory lap for the third-round draft pick, Antonio Gibson, with more of a clear path to be a productive fantasy player. So I'm pretty happy about that. Let's go to the second news item. Leonard Fournette, a.k.a. Uncle Lenny, former running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, has been signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll leave this up to you, Kurt. How do you feel about this news? Man, um, well, I, the cut was uh, surprising for me. I was expecting him to um, be with Jacksonville this year, but, I mean, I'm happy he got an opportunity. Uh, I'm not really, like, thrilled about the landing spot. Um, I think it's going to take some – I mean, looking at the time frame of which when he got cut, it's, like, right before the season starts. So I know it's going to take him a little bit of time to get ingratiated with that um, <clears throat> with that new offense. And um, I think he'll probably be competing with Ronald Jones for touches. Um, I think he's better than Ronald Jones. But, I mean, that remains to be seen, you know. Um, so all I can hope for, man, is that at some point uh, this year, he uh, carves out like a good um, uh, work, work share. And um, he's efficient with his touches, man. But efficiency has not been as strong since he's been in the league. So that's asking a lot, honestly. Efficiency hasn't been his strong suit, but he hasn't played in the offense that gives him the ability to be efficient. I think this is probably the best case scenario for Fournette, and he is better than Ronald Jones. All he's done over the course of his career has shown that he's better than Ronald Jones. So I don't think it's a matter of talent. 
I just think it's a matter of him signing, you know, a week and a half before the season starts and him having to learn a new offense, learn new language, play with a perfectionist and Tom Brady and play with a coach that, you know, doesn't fuck around. So Leonard Fournette's going to have to be on his A game to see the field. B.A. is not going to play him if he's fucking up. So I think this was probably, you know, best case scenario for Fournette in terms of landing spot because he can be more efficient and he does have a high touchdown upside, in my opinion, because of the offense that he plays in. So good news as it's better than him not signing before the season starts and you have to worry about, you know, um, figuring out what to do with him if he lands on a team that, you know, doesn't have a good offense or, you know, something like that. So I think this is a good news for Leonard Fournette. Moving on to the next item. Daria Gumbawale, a surprise cut. That's the cliff note. But honestly, this wasn't a surprise to me, bro. We talked about this on a podcast before when they signed, signed LaShawn McCoy. You remember who I said that was going to affect the most? Yes. Yeah, it was him. I, I, I said that the Daria Gumbawale situation was going to be affected by the LaShawn McCoy signing because LaShawn McCoy is an excellent pass protector and he's a good pass catcher. And that is Daria Gumbawale's role. So the signing of LaShawn McCoy made Daria Gumbawale expendable. Next news item. I wish I could play the sad music here for Jarrett Stidham. But it has been confirmed that Cam Newton will be the starting QB for the New England Patriots week one. How do you feel about that? I'm just getting shit on left and right, bro. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but honestly, when they signed Cam Newton, this was to be expected. Like, Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Jarrett Stidham. Like, I mean, so, uh, you know, not a surprise that he's uh, announced a starter. But it's not over with for Stidham yet. I agree. I, I think I think he's a player you throw on your taxi squad or keep on your bench just in case. Because, I mean, we haven't seen Cam Newton play a healthy season in quite some time. And we don't know what his health situation is like. Uh, once he gets into game action, you know, the last two injuries he had was a foot and a shoulder injury. His throwing shoulder injury, those are just not injuries you want to see for uh, someone who has to throw the ball a lot and a quarterback who likes to run the ball a lot with his foot injury. So we'll see. Next news item, Zach Moss rising. Thank God Uncle Lenny didn't go to the Bills. That was going to break my fucking heart. So Zach Moss is on the rise partly because his son, Devin Singletary, has had issues with ball security in camp. <laughs> can't hold on to the ball on a team who wants to run the ball a lot. You're going to be relegated to a backup role. So the team has also been super impressed with Zach Moss being nimble and efficient in the passing game. So that's another knock on Devin Singletary. This is looking like a 50-50 split minimum already. And the season hasn't even started. So, you know, I think Danny made the right move with trading Ronald Jones, but his running back situation in terms of depth is, is going to get ugly really quickly if Devin Singletary is relegated to a backup role to Zach Moss. So, I thought this was an interesting note that I, I copy-pasted here. Like, running back tiers are being formed. You have the Jonathan Taylor, Claude Edwards, Elaire, and J.K. Dobbins tier. Then you got the DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers tier. And then you got the Moss and Gibson tier. Um, I, I think that's the group right there, Kurt. Are there any other rookie running backs that you see having a path over the next few seasons? No, no. I think that's about it. Yeah, I think, I think those are the tiers, man. I'm, I'm really excited to have – you know, a piece of that first tier and then have the combination of, of Zach Moss and Antonio Gibson. So it's looking like this is another really good class of running backs. Next year's class is not going to be very deep. So I hope you guys got your shares of rookie running backs this year. And another news item for you, Kurt. Rockwell Armstead, bro. What did you call him? What did you say? 
Uh, Fat Don Tolliver. That's that's what I like to refer to. <laughs> <him as. laughs> so this thing, bro, has ended up. I didn't I didn't read the story because I don't care about Rockwell Armstead. I just thought it was interesting because this is his second time on the COVID list. Um. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, go ahead. I didn't even know that that could. I didn't even. I didn't even know you could catch COVID twice, bro. I didn't know that. So maybe one time he he didn't actually catch it, and maybe now he actually has it. But man, this is just like. It's just great timing, bro. Little Fournette gets cut. I have the backup running back, and then the backup running back catches fucking COVID. Like, we're, like I, I can't catch a break here. Yeah, bro, that's feels bad, bro. That is actually sad. He's not going to start the season. So, um, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with him. But transitioning into um, the the next part of this this news item, what do you think that pecking order is for the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of their backfield? So I mean I, I know they have uh, Chris Thompson there. I think I don't think he's going to be like the first you know first and second down running back. I think he's primarily there for like pass catching situations, and I think um, I think actually like the path like of Leonard Fournette being clear is probably going to benefit him the most because I think the Jaguars are going to be losing a lot of games this year, so he's going to probably going to be on the field a lot. Um, as far as like ball carrying goes. Um, for like to my understanding, it, it was gonna be like Raquel Armstead and they were gonna try out uh Robinson and Divine uh because um I mean because they show flashes in camp while Raquel Armstead had COVID the first time. Um so I don't know, man. It's honestly looking like a toss up and I'm just hoping that the, the person who wins the job is either Robinson or, or uh, Armstead. Yeah, and I'm not sure whoever wins the job is even fucking fantasy relevant. I mean, if Chris Thompson is going to be in the mix and this dude can find a way to stay healthy, it's just going to really, really um, hurt the value of, you know, Divine Zikvo, Rockwell Armstead, or Jim. It's just, bro, it's just a fucking committee that I don't want a part of. I just don't want any parts of that committee. Even if there is a guy... What's a good example of somebody being the guy but not really being relevant? For oh, Bo Scarborough. It's like a running back who is going to be off the field for passing downs on a bad offense. Uh, I mean, but you could get 23 carries for 75 yards and one target. That's not a player that I want to start in my fantasy lineup. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, yeah. I mean, you look at – um, like I was looking uh, when we were – doing like fantasy research for something else. I was looking at some of the people who I was surprised they had like a thousand yards because they were so irrelevant in fantasy, a thousand yards rushing. And um like Carlos Hyde had a thousand yards rushing, but like he doesn't catch he any passes. Yeah. Yeah, he had a thousand yards rushing last year and he did doesn't doesn't catch any passes. So it's like he was pretty much irrelevant, you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's part of the reason that, that Justin got smoked his second year in a row in the grand final. Ah, goofy nigga. I had to throw that in there. All right, <laughs> let's get into the ace of spades news and notes. So let's talk about the scoring. I mentioned on one of the previous podcasts that I was still working on the scoring. I think I think we're good to go. Um, IDP scoring is going to stay pat unless I see otherwise week one because uh, we did add three more IDPs, so I kind of want to see how that plays out before I tweak the scoring. I'm going to do my best not to change any scoring settings once the season actually starts. The tiered PPR, same thing. And what I mean by tiered PPR, everybody understands that we're in a tight end premium league right now where they get 1.25 points per reception. But I think people are forgetting or at least haven't mentioned enough that we also have 0.75 for wide receiver 
catches as opposed to 0.5. So they get a slight boost over running backs. So we're going to see how that variance looks between the running back and wide receiver position, because while I want to create more parity amongst those top two skill positions, I also want to make those elite three down running backs, you know, a tier above wide receivers just because they touch the ball so much. I want to make those, or I want to continue to have those be um, the most valuable commodity um, in, in, in this fantasy league. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Moving into other Ace of Spades news and notes, we did have a, a trade to discuss as well as an update on a previous trade that was made a week ago. So let's talk about the trade that was most recently made. Kurt, this involves you and Tabron, where you sent away your 2021 and 2022 first round picks plus Matt Rita to Tabron in exchange for Bald Dashy, a.k.a egghead aka austin eckler so eckler was overall rb6 last year he had 557 rushing yards and 92 catches for 993 receiving yards i didn't look at this but 92 catches for 993 i think those stats alone would have made him a high-end wide receiver too yeah yeah maybe because 92 catches that might have pushed him into back in wide receiver one category. So basically he's a really valuable fantasy asset because of what he contributes in the passing game. Um, A lot of his production last year, we can attribute to the absence of Melvin Gordon through the first five or six weeks, I believe, but you can't ignore the production and the efficiency. So I think he's going to produce uh, at least something close to the numbers he produced last year, just based on the fact that It isn't going to be a high upside offense where they're pushing the ball a lot down the field. And those short area targets like Keenan Allen and Eckler, although there aren't a lot lot of targets to distribute from Tyrod Taylor because I don't think he's going to pass the ball a lot, I think Eckler's going to be a benefactor. Plus, he doesn't face a lot of uh, competition in the backfield. You've got the fourth-round rookie, Joshua Kelly, who looks to be the 1B uh, since Justin Jackson is, is struggling with another injury. But, you know, I'm not sure how much Joshua Kelly is going to eat into his workload. It just it's something that we can't call based on the information we have uh, so far. Uh, Matt Breida, he was RB45 last year. So this he was a zero to me. That was just like a, a throw in player. So to get through this quickly, um, I gave you a short term nod. Obviously, you got the player. I gave Tabron the long term nod. Obviously, he got two first round picks, two top 12 picks and roster construction in a what, what are your comments and thoughts on the straight? Well, um, yeah, uh, it was a trade I felt was necessary um, since, I mean, Leonard Fournette got cut. And I was planning, I was planning on relying on the fact that he was going to get a lot of touches. Um, but with him going into a committee situation on a new team, I felt like I needed to make a move for an RB. Um, I know that. Uh, so I thought about Eckler, and I remember last year. Uh, while Melvin Gordon was holding out what Eckler was doing. And I was like, okay, so Melvin Gordon is probably going to want to come back because, you know, he it, it looks like he's not, not needed at this point. Um, but he still maintained some production. Um, he wasn't, like, as productive as he was without Melvin Gordon, but he still <clears throat> maintained some production. So pretty much, man, I'm just hoping uh, with his receiving upside – that I could get a 
borderline RB1, RB2 type situation going on with Eckler. And, uh, yeah, with my draft picks, like where I'm projected to finish every year based on <clears throat> uh, my team, I, I probably wouldn't be able to land a running back that would give me, like, that kind of production. So those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think those are pretty spot on. I don't think you'll be able to get an Austin Eckler uh, type player with those picks. I mean, you could just if if you like just reached on a, on an RB and and hit just because a lot of times in that range receivers go and then RBs start to go back on the board like late second round or early third round like those running backs who don't necessarily have a clear path to a starting spot but have some potential like the you know the Antonio Gibson's, the Darrington Evans, like those types of backs. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I, th- I think it was a good trade. I think it was a good trade for Tabron as well. He, he has some comments about the trade, uh, but I, I, didn't, I didn't quote him because, you know, it, it's, it's anybody who's text Tabron, like, it's just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, he just he just basically said that the trade was, was you know, beneficial for his team long-term, which I agree with. So, great the trade. I, I give you... Uh, I, I give you a. You gave up two. I give you like a B for the trade. I mean, you gave up two first round picks to acquire Eckler, but I do think he's a productive player. And I give Tabron a. I give Tabron a C. I mean, he gave up, um, you know, his his most valuable player next to DJ Shark, and he received two first round picks in return, but they're late first rounders, so he probably could have gotten a, a bit more for Eckler. Um, the fact that he didn't get a solid player to go along with those two late first round picks is the reason I didn't really want to give him a higher grade than that. So moving on, uh, let's talk about an update on the grade, the trade Justin sent almost 2021 third round pick and his 2022 and 2023 second round picks to Danny for Chris Herndon and Ronald Jones. So Ronald Jones, uh, we just talked about Leonard Fournette signing with Tampa Bay. I have no idea, and I don't even want to start to try to figure out or project what Ronald Jones' work is going to be. I, I don't. I just. I don't want any pieces of that Tampa Bay backfield. So um, that's not looking good for Justin uh, following that trade. And Chris Herndon has been struggling with with an injury in camp. So this is another one of those gambles by Justin, bro, uh, sending away literally all of his draft capital for players. And you know he doesn't really have a, a super valuable roster in terms of future assets. So this is a this is a win now, and if he doesn't win, this is a this is a failed season for him. And um, the, he has to be very careful. I think um, you can't you can't continue to do this every season when your players are only getting older and you're constantly mortgaging away your your draft picks. So I don't know. Uh, it looks like he took a hit on this one because Ronald Jones, even if he gets majority of the carries, he's not going to be the guy. I mean, that is a committee. You don't pay for net close to three and a half million um, on, on a one year deal to be Ronald Jones, you know, distant backup. He's going to be involved. And Ronald Jones was always he, he was already not pegged to be a full three down back. So I don't I don't really know how I feel about like Ronald Jones situation in this trade for Justin. I think whatever grade that I gave Justin for this trade, I think I give him a B. It's already down to like it's probably already down to like a fucking D, bro. I just. If Ronald Jones is not going to be the guy back there, I just don't see how he wins this trade. Yeah, um, and this is – man, this is a real interesting territory for Justin. I think this is – I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, like, I think with the introduction to the sleeper platform, this is probably the first time that we've seen him trade so far into the future in terms of picks, mm-hmm. right? 
So mm-hmm. if you leave the cupboard bare for the next three three seasons with picks, I mean, I guess like the strategy would then be to what try to trade like further into the future again. But I think we wanted to kind of put a stop to the three year in the future draft picks, right? Like so next year he won't be able to trade his twenty twenty four picks, right? Correct. Yeah. So this is yeah. So I mean, um, I said to say is like this is a situation like he's putting himself into a situation where either he's gonna have to trade one of his like valuable assets and get something, uh, because the pick thing is pretty much gonna be dead for like the next three years. So yeah. Um. Well, at least yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's 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 not going to be able to trade those twenty twenty four picks. But even if he could, like, who would want them besides Rio? And he's already emptied the cupboard on Rio trades. So, what moves does he have? I mean, Justin never ceases to amaze me with some of the offers he pulls off. So I'm not saying he's cooked, but he has pigeonholed himself into one strategy, and that's that's win this year. And if he doesn't win this year, he's taken away a. Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. And these are running backs. When they get into age 26, 27, nobody's paying pre- – I'm, I'm not paying a premium for Christian McCaffrey when he's 27 years old. Yeah, He's a, he's a fucking running back. So, I mean, he's got to be very careful. And I know, like, guys in this league, they haven't been playing Dynasty for very long, but he, he's got to win this year. And if he doesn't win this year, he's he's got to win next year. But – the way his team is set up, I think it's this year a bust. So we'll see. It, 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 we're a long way away uh, from from seeing, you know, um, exactly how Justin's team is going to turn out. But uh, because I, I do think he has a really good roster for this season, but we should see as, as soon as next year or as early as next year how his team is going to look in the foreseeable future. All right. We took a lot of time on the news and notes in the intro. So let's dive right into the content of the episode. One of my favorite things to talk about, dynasty team building, and we're going to get into depth charts and roster construction. So we've already done team rankings. Now we want to dive a bit deeper. We're going to analyze each team in our league by position group, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We're going to grade each team's position group. Then we're going to tell you, in a sense, how your position group stacks up against the rest of the league. And we're going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. But bear with us because there is a lot to cover. And also, we we did use data points from other dynasty tools and things like that. So this isn't opinion-based. This is data and evidence-based. So keep that in mind before you start crying about how we rank your position group or start crying about how you think Marvin Jones is a wide receiver one. All right? (laughs) So let's dive into it, Kurt. I'll start off. Let's go look at... KB's team, a.k.a. Kentavious Bartholomew. Let's start with his QB situation. Now, we both thought that he had one of the better, if not the best, QB situation going into the season. He has Lamar Jackson, arguably the overall QB1. He has Tom Brady, and he has Cam Newton. What did you think about this QB group for KB? Um, Yeah, from a this year perspective, I think he has one of the stronger um quarterback groups in the league and um I mean Lamar Jackson is very young and like you said like arguably the overall QB1 um yeah I I like his QB group I think he has one of the stronger QB groups it's above league average yeah I agree if you want to give out the letter grade after I go through the depth chart 
I think that would work as as like a flow for this for this portion of the pot that we could get through it quicker. Okay. What do we give him for a letter grade? Um, we gave him a B plus for QB. So a B plus for his QB grip. All right. Um, let's get into his RB grip. So he has Aaron Jones, who was the overall RB two last year. Mark Ingram, who I think he was uh, a, a back end RB one, and he has Raheem Mostert, and not much after that. Um, he did acquire Keyshawn Vaughn in trade, but he's he's like he's pretty much dust as it stands. So, where do we rank his RB group amongst uh, the rest of the league, and what do we give him for a grade? So uh, we gave him a C minus for the for a grade, and um, just looking at the there are uh, a below average uh, running back group, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Though. I think so too. Slightly below, I think so too, because. It's only start to RB. And keep in mind, when we're going through and talking about the depth charts, we're not going to get in-depth on every roster, but we will point out things like KB has 13 running backs on his roster. Only two and a half of them are fucking startable. So we're looking at the depth charts on a spreadsheet, but we're also taking into account the league format. So we're in a super flex league where we're only required to start one quarterback. And then there's a super flex, which is likely a quarterback, depending on your roster build. It should be a quarterback in general, but, you know, not everyone uh, has a solid QB2. So we're going to see some people starting another position in that super flex. So we're trying to break it down in tiers. So who has like an elite QB option and then a startable super flex, which is more than likely, like I said, going to be a QB. Same thing with the RB groups. We're taking into account that you only have to start two. So we're not penalizing teams necessarily for not having, you know, more than two elite running backs. So if you have two solid running backs and a little bit of RB depth, you're probably in good shape. The reason that we gave KB the grade that we did is because Aaron Jones, um, he was a RB1 last year. So he is considered an elite RB1 option. But after that, it's it's Mark Ingram who, you know, he was good last year, but he's 30 years old. And they just drafted a running back in the second round, J.K. Dobbins. And after Mark Ingram, he has Raheem Mostert and, you know, Sony Michelle. Naima. These guys are just, you know. So for his RB group, he has an elite starting option, probably a back-end RB2 in Mark Ingram this season, and a bunch of guys. Is that a fair explanation of, of what we're doing, Kurt? Yes. Yes, it is. And I agree with uh, your point about his RBs. Okay, and, and same thing with wide receiver. So we're, we're really focusing in on the top two because you're only required to start two. And then when we're rounding out the grades, we're looking at depth as well. Um, tight ends, you only have to start one, and then IDP is two, two, two. So that's just a brief explanation of how we're looking at these and how we're determining letter grades. So let's get into his wide receivers. I don't, know, I don't remember what grade we gave him. You can tell me in a bit, but he doesn't have an alpha wide receiver, so I really, I'm not really too keen on this wide receiver group. He's got Cortland Sutton. Robert Woods, AJ Green, which is who is 32 years old. And then he's got a bunch of guys like Paris Campbell. He was injured all last season. We don't know what he is. T Higgins is a rookie in a crowd of wide receiver core. What do we give KB for this wide receiver group? Uh, we were on a C minus uh, for the reasons that you, that you highlighted. He doesn't have like that, that alpha wide receiver. So C minus. Okay. And his tight end group is Noah Fan and Hayden Hurst. What do we think about that group? Uh, B minus. Yeah, B minus. Um, both of those players could be productive this year. So, 
Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. I think they can both be productive. Neither is an elite option, uh, but I think one of them has the path to be in fantasy for years to come, which is, you know, obviously Noah Fant. He was drafted in the first round, so he, there's a lot of capital behind that player. He did flash last year, so I'll go through the IDPs quickly. KB has uh, probably the best edge rush group in, in the entire league, so I like where his edge rushes are. He's also deep at that position. He has two really solid linebackers as well as two really solid uh, defensive backs, uh, he just doesn't have any depth behind that position. What do we give him in terms of a letter grade for his IDPs overall? Uh, we gave him a B plus. Would have been an A if he would have had some depth. Fair enough. All right. And we also evaluated draft picks uh, when we looked at this overall roster view. What do we think about KB's upcoming draft picks? And I know that he traded away his first rounder, but he did acquire Rios. And we looked at this in a three-year window. So what do we think about his draft picks in terms of capital over the next three years? Uh, so we gave him a D. And I think the reason why we lean on uh, lean towards giving him a D um, instead of an F is because he had Rio's draft pick that pretty much carried him, you know, up a letter grade because we were projecting that Rio would have like a pretty good draft pick this year. But a D. Yeah. KB gave up his his first rounder for this year, but he also gave his 2023 first up, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, KB. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a D. All right, well, we can switch roles here. So why don't you pull up BT's depth chart, and you go through his groups, and then I'll speak on what we gave in terms of a letter grade. Then we'll just alternate as we go through the teams. All right, so for his QB group, we have um, Russell Wilson, uh, Dwayne Haskins would be like his top two QBs there, uh, the two people with the um, defined starting jobs. And then you got like Mitchell Trubisky, who like <clears throat> recently got edged out yes. by uh, Nick Foles. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, the other two, uh, Jalen Hurts a rookie, but the other guy's not even worth mentioning. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't remember what the letter grade was there. So we gave him a C minus, but – it's probably like more of a D plus. I mean, uh, nah, I'll I'll stick with the C minus because of what I mentioned earlier with Russell Wilson being that elite QB one option and Dwayne Haskins being good enough to be a high end or a mid tier QB two. So we gave him a C minus. All right, let's talk about his running backs. All right, so um, for his running backs, you have Ty Gurley, Tevin Coleman, um, Latavius Murray, Chris Thompson. <laughs> Um, so, oh, yeah, I don't even remember what we gave it, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say we gave this group enough. Uh, he doesn't even have, like, uh, I mean, yeah, Ty Gurley is the, the artist formerly known as Ty Gurley at this point, and then the other running backs are all co- committee or irrelevant. So what was the great uh, one? We gave him an F. Okay. We yeah. gave him an F. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about his his wide receiver group. Um, so Cooper Cup, Tyler Luck, uh, Tyler Lockett, Michael Gallup, Marquise Brown, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and uh, Mike Williams. So he has like a lot of wide receiver two ish type players. Like he doesn't really have that that alpha wide receiver. Um, a, a decent group though. Um, it, it it would just look a lot better if he had like that group in a in addition to like an alpha wide receiver. Yeah, I agree. A bunch of twos. That's kind of why we gave him a C minus because I do like the depth and I like the potential of a lot of the wide receivers on his bench. He just doesn't have that anchor. Uh, so let's get into his tight end group. What does he got? Uh, you got Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and TJ Hawkinson. So yeah, we gave this 
we gave this group a C plus. Um, go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, I was just gonna say I know um, Hooper was a tight end one last year, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Him and Njoku play on the same team now, right? They do. So they could cannibalize each other's production. And Njoku has also been injured every single year in training camp. He's been in the league, so he could be relegated to a backup role behind Harrison Bryant. We still gave BT a C plus because he he has a tight end similar to Noah Fant, who was drafted with first round draft capital, and Austin Hooper was a top six tight end last year. So we gave him a C plus off the back of that. Uh, let's talk about his draft picks. Um, BT traded away his first rounder, and BT's projected to be a bottom five team. So we gave him an F for draft picks, even though he has his picks over the next two seasons. And I mean, 2022 and 2023 after 2021. So him not having that first round pick after a year where he's going to be a non-playoff team, we have to knock him a lot for that. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, you'll see like a lot of like uh, fantasy websites and like uh, dynasty websites in particular, the ones that, that uh, value like place value on picks. Um, the more recent picks have more value or, you know, or the picks that are going to be coming up like sooner. Um, so the fact that he doesn't have a first round going into next year's draft, like that, that is a big hit to the the value of his draft picks, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. And what about his IDPs? Um, yeah. Um, old, um, and not deep. That's what I, that's a quick summary of his IDPs and I, uh, and, um, yeah, old old they actually and suck. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. They actually they're they're really bad. This is the worst IDP group in the league. He gets an F. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let me get into uh, Tabron's roster. BT and Tabron are always the two funniest niggas to to talk about on the podcast, and this this episode is no different. So his QB group, Tabron. Now um, he has Jared Goff, Drew Brees, and Jordan Love, who's a rookie. Uh, who is not going to play this year unless there's an injury. So he does have two quality starting options. So I don't remember what what the letter grade we gave him was, but I, I think I think his his QB situation is okay. What do we give him for that? Well, we gave him a C minus, and I think uh, when we discussed it before, we factored in the fact that Drew Brees is 100 years old, so it's probably his last year. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, he doesn't have a third option, so we penalized him for that, too, I think. Wait, I just got a notification from Bleacher Report that Chicago is now expected to start Trubisky. Oh, okay. So uh, we can knock the minus off of BT's uh, QB grade, then. Um, yeah, just, that's all Trubisky worked is just removing the minus. <laughs> not, not an increase in letter grade. Yeah, but yeah I, I agree with you on, on, on the Tabron tip, getting back on, on track here. Tabron has... You know, two really good startable options for this year. But after that, um, not only is Drew Brees 100 years old, he has Jordan Love, who's a rookie, and he's playing behind Aaron Rodgers. And we have no idea when Aaron Rodgers is going to move on from the Packers organization. It could it could be two, three years from now. So that's where we stood on that. Getting into his running backs, Jesus Christ. Um, he got Melvin Gordon, who's 27 years old, Matt Brenda, Who's dust? Rex Burkhead. Who's dust? Darius Anderson. Who's dust? And Lamar Miller. Who's dust? Holy shit! This is the this is the worst RB group I've ever seen in a dynasty league ever, ever. Yeah, and his, this, this is enough, right? 
his his grade reflects like uh that sentiment, man. We gave him not enough. An F minus. That was his <laughs> So he, <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, man. That's a pretty sad RB group. Um old and irrelevant. That's I mean Old and irrelevant. Rex Burkhead, 30 years old. Darius Anderson is going to be cut. Lamar Miller coming off a leg injury at 29 years old. He's dust. Matt Breida, a career unrestrict undrafted free agent, I'm sorry. Um uh, a perennial committee back. That's a zero. I mean, this is this like I said, this is the worst RB group I've ever seen in any dynasty league on Twitter, any dynasty league I've ever played in, any dynasty league I've ever seen on Reddit. This is the this is the worst RB group I've ever seen in my life in a dynasty league. Seriously. Yeah, yeah it's really good. And uh so let's see if he let's see if he gets any better throughout the rest of his position groups. Let's go wide receiver. So notable wide receivers he has on his depth chart, DJ Shark, Julian Edelman, Miko Hardman. Uh, by the way, Julie Edelman is 34. He also has Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders is 33. He also has Golden Tate. Golden Tate is 32. He also has Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is 33. He also has Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is 30. He also has Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald is 37. Bro. Yeah. Is this, are we talking about Rio or Tabron? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, man, I think we might owe real an apology because I think we discovered the person who likes older players like more than him. Yes. Like, yeah, t- uh, we yes. we gave this group a D, and oh, that's, uh, and that's I, generous. And and I think the only reason why we probably did that is because he has shark. But other than that, like all these wide receivers are old, man. Like I, and this is a dynasty league. I don't know what he's going to do. Like in two years when all of these, all of his wide receivers are retired. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is really, this is a really bad group, bro. We, we gave him a D, but that, yeah, that's because like, I think we're both believers in DJ shark and they're kind of like, all right, we're creeping up on, on 40 minutes already. Let's change like how we're running through this. We'll run through this together, bro. Let's, let's go to the spreadsheet and let's just bounce off each other as we go through, like starting with Tabron's, uh, tight end group, and then we'll just throw a letter grade out there, like because I, I I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to um, consistently project what we gave them pre-show notes, just based on like what we're communicating, like in the moment. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. All right. So let's go to his tight end group. Well, we got Evan Ingram, Cameron Brake, Jared Cook, Jacob Hollister, and Kyle. Rudolph. I mean, these niggas are huff, right? Injury prone and mid. Like that's 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 <laughs> yeah. Mid. <laughs> yeah yeah this is i mean this is in column d it's not quite a d it's probably like a c minus because evan ingram when when healthy he commands a lot of targets which is a skill in itself and tight ends it just doesn't take much for a tight end to be considered decent for fantasy purpose because most purposes because most of them suck this is probably like a c minus group and this, this is probably a probably an average tight end group in our league because jared cook although he's 33 fucking years old and kyle randolph he's th- i mean these are dudes that can just get on the field and catch a touchdown uh, so uh i give him i give him like an average group let's get into his idps tabron i know you listen to the podcast like once every three weeks but dude if in a start to start to start to which idps you can't just have two at each position he actually has really solid idps he just has no depth he literally has two edge rushers two linebackers and two dbs yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but he has good players. They just don't have backups. So if one of them gets exactly. injured or has a bye, like I, I don't know what he's gonna do. So 
Luckily, the good news is, Kurt, Tabron has like 40 free roster spots, five free taxi squad spots, and three free IR spots. So when he needs to pick up IDPs, he he does have room for them. So that's a positive. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's get into uh, Jamal's team. So Jamal, his QB group, he's got Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, and Tyrod Taylor. That's pretty solid, right? Yeah, that's, that's solid. And, and we know... Uh, he's one of the few in the league that has three starting quarterbacks. So, like, yeah, that's that's solid. Agreed. Yeah, that that's that's an above average QB group. Um, I'll, I'll skip the letter grade on that, but it's it's a good one. Yeah. B, B plus. Uh, let's get into his RB group. This is damn. Wait, I just I just said Tabron had the worst RB group I've ever seen in the Dynasty League, didn't I? Yeah. I take that back. Ooh, this is this is this is the worst, bro. We we have. We have an issue in our Ace of Spades Dynasty League, Kurt, and it's the same issue that China had for years. We don't have a middle class. <laughs> we don't have a middle class. Either you're an elite, wealthy Dynasty GM in this league, or you're poor. And this this RB group screams poverty to me, bro. Well, it's something that I like. I'll tell you something that I like noticed. Um like my first year playing fantasy, man. Like uh, all of the teams that that win that were winning a lot, they were hoarding RBs. So th- that's that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, uh, with the well, that's it's not the problem. It's the reason why, like, we see teams that look like this is because we're gonna see we're gonna go into teams that look like yours and Justin's at running back. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, both things can't exist, bro. You can't have a a a, a team with four RB ones on it, and then also like not have a team that looks like Jamal's, bro. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true, bro. Hey, all I have to say about me and Justin's team: this is the American way. <laughs> this is the American way. I mean, don't. Hey, don't don't be one of them niggas hating us because we beautiful, bro. I mean, it's just we came, we saw, we conquered, bro. It is what it is. But but yeah, this is this is a really bad uh, RB group. Jamal, he has James White, Duke Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Damian Harris, Jamal Williams, Peyton Barber, Frank Gore, JJ Taylor. That's a really bad group. Let's get into his his wide receivers and. Kurt, I keep touching on time, but I, I really want to do a good job of staying under time for these podcasts because I know over an hour is a lot to consume. So let's do this. After we discuss Jamal's team, Rio's team, and Ray's team, let's pin this episode. We'll spin another one back up and drop them in a two-part. So we'll drop this one today, and after everyone's listened, we'll drop the second part. Is that cool? I'm down with that. All right, bet. That way, I can calm down a little bit with with rambling through these 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 step charts because I underestimated the amount of time that this would take. So his wide receiver group, I think, is is okay. He's got Stefan Diggs. He's still in his prime, twenty six years old, but he's bro playing in a Josh Allen offense. He's what a wide receiver three. I am wide receiver three. Um, yeah, yeah. Talent wise, like higher, but yeah, like. Oh yeah, talent wise, you could uh, talent wise, Stefan Diggs is a wide receiver one. Yeah, just I mean, he's playing with a quarterback that's never thrown for three hundred yards in a game. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't. He's Stefan Diggs is a perfect example of a of a football player who's really good for a real life team and mediocre for fantasy purposes. Yeah. So 
Yeah, let's move on. All right, we got Brandon Cooks, also wide receiver three in terms of fantasy. Denzel Mims, promising rookie, but he is a rookie. And Alan Lazard, who could be the number two option in Green Bay, but I'm not sure that's that really means anything. And then a zero, Darius Slayton and Brandon Ayuk, who's also a rookie. So this is just an okay receiving group, probably like a C for dynasty purposes. Yeah, he, he did. He did hit, hit the draft on on two really promising uh, wide receivers. So, and I I think I like Darius Slayton and Alan Lazard, but we I gotta see it first. Yeah, I like I, I like Slayton. I don't really know about the Lizard, but <laughs> <laughs> he made he made some, he 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 showed out last season when he got his opportunity, and I don't think he was even ready for that opportunity. But he did a good job with the reps that he got. All right, let's move into this is the only thing that that saves Jamal for being considered in the conversation with with uh, Tabron and uh, BT. His tight end group. He's got George Kittle. And Mark Andrews. Now, I still believe that Jamal needs to take one of these tight ends and flip them for some type of fantasy asset. I'm not going to tell him who or what position to trade for because last time I suggested that, he tried to trade for Uncle Lenny. So I'm going to keep my unsolicited advice to myself so Kurt <laughs> doesn't swoop down like an eagle and poach one of these tight ends for uh, Matt Brenda-like talent at running back or some shit like that. <laughs> this, this, tight, this tight end group for Jay Mula is a, is a fucking A+. It's not even close. He has yeah. the best tight end group in the league. And that's really what carries most of the value in his positional group. When you look at wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends, his tight ends are... And if we could merge his pass catches, I think he's he has, it's, a B, it's a B plus, you know, uh, just because of the range George Kittle is going to finish in at tight end. He's going to be like a wide receiver one. He's going to be like a top 12 wide receiver with the production. So uh, this is what pretty much carries his, his skill group because his, his running backs are, are really, really, really bad. Um, so let's get into his IDPs. You mentioned this, this, this nigga Jamal, bro. Like we, we criticize teams like Chris for having like 16 fucking wide receivers, but Jay Mula, why do you have eight DBs? Yeah, that's a lot of DBs, man. Uh, Save some for the rest of us. Yeah, let me get one of them, bro. I, one of my my DB is in, man. Let me get Jalen Mills back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a ton of DBs, but maybe throughout the season, um, his third starting DB, maybe uh, or his, the third DB on his depth chart, maybe show out, and maybe somebody else send him like you know a fourth or fifth round pick for him. So I don't know. There's probably a method to this madness, but he has a really good IDP group. Let's move on to Uncle Rio, aka OG Frank Lucas. Where are we at with the time? Yeah. All right, cool. We got just enough time to do Rio's depth chart and Ray's depth chart like we planned. So he's got Dak Prescott, which is a top five dynasty option at the QB position, but it gets ugly after it because of the age of his quarterback. So he asked Dak Prescott, who's going to be a staple on Rio's team at the quarterback position for quite some time. But after that, Big Ben and Phillip Rivers are both 38 years old. What do you think about this group? Um. Yeah, Dak is the you know the the guy uh, in this group, and yeah, I just wouldn't bet my money on two thirty eight year old quarterbacks, man. One of those dudes could retire, um, at any moment here, man. And um, I know Ben Roethlisberger, um, is coming off an injury. Yeah, uh, that's a. Mm, I mean, I'll say this for this year, like it's not going to be that bad because we know that like the three. Like he has three quarterbacks that are going to start for sure, but long term you might want to look. Uh, yeah, 
uh, make a move. Yeah, I agree. He also traded Sam Darnold, who's a 23-year-old starting QB, to Danny for John Brown and Ian Thomas. Probably should not have done that. Probably should not have done that. That I agree. Uh, all right, let's let's move let's move on to. Well, before we wrap up his QB group, I, I think because it's a super flex league and not a start to QB, the fact that he has Dak Prescott to anchor, he can kind of mix and match with that super flex spot. So I think he's fine for this year, but he's definitely going to have to acquire another QB this this off season or next season. He doesn't have his first round pick for this upcoming season, so he won't be able to draft a quarterback. Uh, so if one of these quarterbacks retire, it's going to put him in a really difficult position um, at that QB spot. So let's get into his RBs. So he's got Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay, Anthony McFarland, AJ Dillon, and then a bunch of zeros. So this is very similar to his QB situation, right? He's got one really good anchor in Nick Chubb and then. Yeah. Um, yeah. After Nick Chubb, man, it's, it's looking shaky and I like, uh, that McFarlane kid, man. But I don't know what his role is going to be uh, in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, um, it's looking kind of shaky there, man. But I don't know. Hopefully something, like, pans out for him there. But, yeah, the only one I can speak of, speak speak to with any level of confidence would be Nick Chubb. Yeah, exactly. And it's a start to RB league. So one of these guys he'll be able to start, I hope. I mean, you think Philip Lindsay, he's going to be in a committee with uh, Melvin Gordon and then McFarland. We don't know what his role is. And AJ Dillon, same story as McFarland. We don't know where he fits into that pecking order yet. So it could get real scary for RB. The good news for Rio is he has so much draft capital in 2023 and he's kind of in a re a full rebuild right now. So he doesn't necessarily need running backs. I don't think he's planning on winning a lot of games this year, which is why we gave him a knock on, you know, his draft capital and not having his own first round pick. Um, let's get into his wide receiver group. Uh, Kurt, I'll let you sound off on, on his depth chart here at wide receiver. Okay, so I'm just going to start with, like, the names that are noteworthy, I guess. Um, you got Devontae Parker, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Christian Kirk, Jamison Crowder, um, Debo, uh, John Brown, and LaVisca Chenault. And you got some other rookies, K.J. Hill and Gabriel Davis. Uh, yeah, zeros for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a, a this is a shaky group, man. I'm not gonna lie. Um, he doesn't have much here. Um, yeah. He doesn't have an alpha. His alpha was Julio. He traded him away for two firsts, which I, I still think is a good trade for him in the future. Just, just seeing where his team is. Yeah. So just keep in mind when we're evaluating Rio's roster, this is not a roster that's really planning to make a lot of noise this year. So um, I noticed we've been skipping the draft capital for the last couple of teams. That, that isn't by design. We just we just kind of uh, missed that. I, I missed that actually going through. But I will dive into Rio's draft capital after we finish this team. But this this wide receiver group is not very strong. But with the amount of draft capital that he has over the next few seasons, he, he can hammer on wide receiver. So this is something that can definitely be fixed. You need a top five pick, really, to draft an elite QB option in a rookie draft or an elite RB option in a rookie draft but you don't need a top five pick to draft a ton of good receivers. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I know. That's so what you mean. Draft, yeah. So with his draft capital in the next couple of seasons, real hundred percent be able to fix this wide receiver group. And I really like LaVisca Chanel as a rookie wide receiver and KJ Hill. He's not an extremely athletic 
wide receiver, but he does all the little things. He does everything right. He has really good hands. So I do like some of the rookie uh, players that he has in his wide receiver group. Let's get to his tight end group. This, is, this group is also scary, bro. Um, Dallas Goddard is his best tight end, and as long as Zach Ertz is there, I don't really see a path for Dallas Goddard. What, what about you? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it either. Um, did it, uh, let me know if if I'm off here, but they do use like two or two tight end sets sometimes, right? Or am I making that up? No, that they're they're on the field a lot at the same time, so they play a lot of twelve personnel with just two wide receivers and two tight ends, and that's that's mainly because their wide receivers just can't fucking stay healthy. So yeah, they do play a lot of twelve. Yeah, so I mean, man, like you know, it's like the conversation we had a couple podcasts ago about like tight ends just in general. I guess like you just have to play one of these guys and like hope that they catch a touchdown or something. Like that's pretty much like what you're looking at uh, with, with this tight end group, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. And I like Dallas Goddard a lot. He's a great tight end. If Zach Ertz isn't there, uh, Dallas Goddard's value is going to skyrocket. So um, I do I do like him as a player. It's just his situation is is not going to be much more than what it has been as long as Zach Ertz is still the tight end one, which, you know, that's another bit of news that we didn't cover. But uh, Zach Ertz and Eagles extension talks have come to, an halt, uh, come to a complete halt after uh, – the Eagles tried to give Zach Ertz less guaranteed money than the original offer that they gave him before that he declined. So a scary situation for Zach Ertz there in terms of his future with the Eagles. But that's just a bit of news that um, I didn't drop at the very beginning. So let's get into Rio's IDPs. He has a good D-line uh, with Frank Clark and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald has been really, really consistent for uh, fantasy purposes. And Frank Clark has been okay when he isn't injured. He's got... A really good RB group. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, LB group. He's got a really good linebacker group with Sherbert, Leighton Vanderesh. As long as he comes back healthy, and Demario Davis, I had him last year, so I think his linebacker group is really solid. And then his DB group is actually pretty bad. Um, it just depends on how cornerbacks are going to play out. This is the first season that we've done more than uh, like 0.75 points for pass deflection. I think it's like a full point now or point and a half or some shit. I don't even fucking remember, but I know, I know I gave a boost to pass deflection. So maybe the cornerbacks, he has in the roster make more of an impact. So I think he has like a, just an average, I think he has an average IDP group. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. I think, uh, I like his linebackers though. Uh, I think that's the strength of his IDP group, but yeah, overall, I think, I think the DB is kind of, um, hold him like bring him down a little bit. I don't. I don't really like a lot of cornerbacks for uh for for um IDPs. Yeah, I agree. All right, and talking about Rio's draft capital, what we hit it on when we first started talking through his team. I've said this on podcast uh, uh prior to this one. Uh, he has so much draft capital over the 2022 and 2023 seasons. A lot of mid round picks in 2022, but he has uh, a one third of the first round in 2023. So this is a team that's in a full rebuild, but he has a lot of potential uh, in the in the coming years just based on the amount of draft capital he has. All right, last team. Actually, let's table off right there. We're at an hour. All right. So we'll wrap that up for part one. So in part one, we discussed Rio, Jay Mula, Tabron, BT, and KB. We'll do the other half in the next pod. All right? Yep. Peace. Peace.